Hanna-Barbera put heart and charm into nearly every cartoon they ever created, and Top Cat was no exception. I consider it to be one of the most sophisticated Hanna-Barbera shows. More on that right after this. Let's go back in time, we can just hit rewind. What a terrific notion, it's cartoon commotion. Hi friends, welcome to Cartoon Commotion. I'm Cade and this is my pet pig, Jiggy. <coughs> Together we rewind to the tunes of the good old days with a new perspective nowadays. And just so you know real quick, this show is brought to you by the fine people of the Serial Box Network. Hooray! In this episode we are joined by another Cade. Cade Utterback. Is it me from another universe? Could be. He has his own Cartoon Cade YouTube channel where he also drives, dives into nostalgic animation, but with an emphasis on the music and talent that goes into the creation of these classics. He's also a Patreon supporter. Everyone in the chat, drop a mondo fantastical hiya for Cartoon Cade. Hiya, Cartoon Cade. Hello, how are you? I'm doing good. Thank you for joining me. It's no problem at all. Happy to be a part of the show. Now, folks, I know it must be pretty challenging to tell the both of us apart because we are almost identical in every possible way, but the show must go on. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jiggy, Jiggy, it's okay, boy. Get, keep it cool, buddy. He's he's not really me. He's a totally different me. <laughs> uh, try to be uh, reassuring there, other Gade. Well, yeah, you see, I am Cartoon Cade. He is a cartoon Cade, okay? Really big difference. Very different. He's from the real world dimension, isn't that right? Mm-hmm. I think so. So, like, if they were to make a movie of uh, Cartoon Commotion, you would play me then? It's possible. Uh, we'd have to speak to my agent about that. We are glitching out a little bit here, so it might be a, a little bit of a connection issue, but no, no worries, folks. We're keeping this going. Uh, if you're here live, you can join us in the live chat. All the friends in the live chat are saying hi. Hi, Cade and Cade from Galaxy Unicorn Art. Heads or Tails says, hi, Cartoon Cade. Hello. So just like that, if you want to be in the live commotion, you can leave a comment right now and we'll bring it up in... Oh, we got another one. Animated Abe says... I find it funny that you're doing this about Top Cat right after it was just revealed that Top Cat was coming back for reruns on Boomerang starting June 30th. That That's actually newer information. I didn't know that. Learned something new. I haven't checked Twitter in a while, so... Yeah, I think I saw that just this morning. I think well, it, great, it was it? just this morning that I read that on Twitter. So that's really cool to know. Thank you, Animated Abe. And Julian Murray says, Hello! Hello. Hello. <laughs> All right, we will come back to the comments in a little bit, but first, I got to give everybody the breakdown. Hey, wait a minute. You know what we need for this? What do we need? We need breakdown music. Ah, good idea. Hang on a sec. I got this. Groovy. All right, here's the breakdown. The con artists of Hoagie's Alley, Top Cat, and his crew of five other cats, Spook, Choo Choo, Brain, Benny, and Fancy Fancy, are often trying to make a quick buck in a sort of dishonest way. Their motives are survival, but their methods aren't exactly legal. This often puts them at odds with patrol officer Charlie Dibble. 
The show aired a single season of 30 episodes from September 27th, 1961 to April 18th of 1962. It started off a lot like the Flintstones in primetime, but wound up working out better off on Saturday mornings. Are you hyped? I'm very hyped. I, I may love not show that. it, but I love that music. It's just so so catchy. It's good to give a breakdown too. You need a breakdown when you're starting this out. You know, you need to mm-hmm. break it down for everybody. That's just the gist of things. We're getting into it now. This is where we get deep because our topic is Are you ready? I'm ready. As ready as I'm gonna be. The value of life. <laughs> I know. It's Top Cat, the value of life. It is my belief that the value of life was the overall theme explored in many episodes. And I'm wondering if you got that impression at all, Altcade. I, I think I get what you're going for. And thinking back on it, I'd, I'd have to agree. It, it really is about how they, they approach the value of life from their point of view. Every little scheme they get into has something to do with their value of life, I think. That is true. That is true. That's a neat spin on it because they they do often approach their own value. You know, like what they what they can get out of it, how they can make their lives better. Yeah. Because it's always a scheme to improve their their own lives. Yeah. Always trying to get to somewhere that might seem hard to achieve at first, but their way of going about it is always in their own best interest of their lives. I think a Mondo perfect example of this is when Officer Dibble reluctantly agreed to let the gang of cats stay with him during the winter. Mm -hmm. They more or less took advantage of his hospitality. You remember that? Yeah, I remember that episode. They kind of outstayed uh, their welcome. Definitely so. I mean, well, I mean, I believe this is probably like not too long after they actually step foot in the house. One of the first things they do is try to get some rest in his bed and, you know, six cats and one guy can't all fit in one bed. I don't think. No, they definitely jumped right in there and they, they took it for themselves and it was very hospitable of him. I, I don't think that Dibble was all that happy about the arrangement, but it was his willingness to provide for the gang when they, when it was needed and it was not limited to just this moment. Yeah, I don't think so. I I think we, we get to see a lot of, a lot of humanity in, I mean, it's kind of ironic that they're all cats, but as much as Dibble threatens to throw the book at them and as much as they don't let Dibble in, always interfere with what they do, you can definitely tell by watching the series that they do all care for each other. They care for Dibble. Dibble cares for them. They just don't always like to deal with each other in whatever situation they're in. That's I couldn't agree more. It's sort of a love-hate relationship. I, mm-hmm. mm, a, a frenemy? to a degree because I, I would think so maybe i don't know if they really consider themselves enemies it, it's no. just you know it's like it's almost like a tom and jerry type relationship where I, okay yeah i can see that I whenever see we've that. seen a few of the shorts where the status quo gets changed tom and jerry eventually become appreciative of each other by the end they're you know if, if they're going to get at each other they're the two that are going to get at each other I think the thing that was different with this was that, you know, like Tom and Jerry, most of the time Tom was doing his job, but he was doing it in a matter of like trying to kill Jerry or or get rid of him. Whereas um, Dibble was like forced to do his job, but kind yeah. of in a way got along with the cats and enjoyed their company. He didn't want them to leave. 
Yeah, I I think one of the nicest things he ever did for the gang was when, uh, which we'll probably talk about this more later, but the episode where Benny's mom comes to town and, and she thinks oh, he's the mayor. Yeah, we will be. We'll, let's save that for a little I later. Will. I will. But that's towards the end of this. Yeah. I got I got a lot to cover. <laughs> oh, I got you again. I'm not giving away too much. I'm just it, it episodes like that. Um, again, the the fact that he let them sleep in his house. Well, um, to be fair, there are no real spoilers here. Everybody well, I, I, I should be that. able it, to enjoy a, the show uh, at their own pace, and you you can get it on uh, Amazon. You can get it on disc. I. I'm sure it's streaming out there somewhere else, but Amazon uh, Prime, I believe, has it entirely. And I think it's like a buck ninety-nine an episode, or you can get like the whole set for fifteen. So double-check Amazon Prime if you haven't. Um, but yeah, there's no real spoilers here. We already know what happens because it just happened a long time ago. But yeah. uh, I think Jiggy had something to add to uh, the perf- um, the Officer Dibble conversation. Ah. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, yeah. That Jiggy remembered the episode Hawaii Here We Come. Mm-hmm. Dibble was worried that he'd actually lost the cats forever when they jumped off the ship and headed for Hawaii. Um, no, I'm sorry. The ship headed for Hawaii. They jumped off. Yeah. And this is him sitting on the beach. This is a picture of him sitting on the beach thinking they had died when they jumped overboard. And... I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, it... it... It may not always be shown, but there is a deep level of respect and love between him and the cats. It's just that the cats can be so involved in their schemes that sometimes they don't have time for Dibble. They don't have time for him to interrupt what they're doing, and Dibble doesn't always like to be the guy that has to enforce the rules on him. And and you can see that in many episodes. That is very true. So in this scene, he was mourning the loss on the beach before they finally arrived Somehow surfing. <laughs> that was that was great. So, any more thoughts on the Dibble dynamic? Um, I don't think anything more than I've already said. Well, the, the episode where Dibble gets replaced by a different officer, you, you kind of see how... You see how much that the cats and Dibble play off each other when they're not allowed to play off of the new officer in the same way. That's so right. You That's get that right. dynamic. You, you, get the, you really get a sense of how these characters connect with each other when you get to see them out of their element. So, and I think Dibble, you know, he, he did care a lot for TC on two separate occasions. He was made to believe that top cat was dying in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And on both occasions, he do nearly anything to make sure that he wouldn't feel alone or forgotten or just, you know, just generally lonely. He, he wanted to make sure that he felt like he was cared for. And I think that speaks loads for his character. Absolutely. Dibble is an officer that I think a lot of people would, would like, you know, there's, there's a lot of officer characters that can come off as uh, too mean, too brutish, or maybe too lenient at their job. It really depends on the show and, and who's writing it. But I think in this case, officer Dibble is one that you can understand, you can respect, but still not to the level where you hate TC and the gang, you know? That's very true. Chat friends, if you have anything to add to the conversation, now's the time to do it. If you if you have anything to add on the Dibble dynamic, it would be nice to hear from EB, D, 
EBDB. That's a friend of mine. That's my buddy Nick. <laughs> he says EBDB a lot. I don't know what it means, but he's never said it in a bad way. So okay, well, thank thank you for that EBDB, Nick. Is that is that his name? That's his name, Nick. This is like Icon Nick is his his username there. Wow, you actually said it right. When I first I did? thought, I thought it was Eco Nick. So you know what? He's gonna get validated because of you. Well, there you go. I just I just read things like brands, dude. I just that's how I read everything. Well, I don't know. Maybe you're a bit smarter than I am when it comes to reading people's usernames. <laughs> I just you know just the just the way the internet works. <laughs> All right. So if you have anything to add on the Dibble uh, the Dibble dynamic, friends in the chat, it would be nice to hear from you. If not, we do have some other things to talk about. Okay. So. Altcade, I have been giving this a lot of thought since I first announced the episode on TopCat, and I was wondering how you felt about the general reaction to TopCat being one of boredom or disinterest. In, in what way? The character or the show? The show, specific, like uh, towards an audience, because I, I've noticed this as on the internet, just a lot of people seem to look at it as instantaneously, it's not for me because it's it's slow or the the timing of things it's just it's just not right for me i I get what you're saying and compared to a lot of hanna-barbera's other shows it it does feel a little more slow paced it does feel a little more i wouldn't say grounded in reality because these are talking colorful cats right the the idea of it, it it's not as hard to believe or it's not as hard as to suspend your disbelief as like oh uh modern stone age family First family in space, a group of teens and a dog solving mysteries. And a lot of this show is really built upon the dialogue, the character dynamics, the situations they're put in. And it's more about where the show is headed less than I think, you know, it's not about the jokes necessarily. It's not about any form of really slapstick humor. I, I really think this it's almost like a slice of life show that just so happens to be a cartoon about some cats <laughs> that. Yeah. Well, see, cause I would almost picture the uh, stone age family or the, you know, family in space to be like, if we're not going to use their actual names, right? <laughs> well, I, I just, in terms of how to describe what right. the show is, but like, I would think know. those are more like slice of life's almost because you well, get to they are, their... they, they are. But the, the thing about that is top cat is a sitcom. It is an animated situational comedy. Every episode True. is built upon the idea that, you know, they have a scheme that either goes awry or whatever they plan doesn't always go to plan. So they have to improvise, but something like the Flintstones is more of a sitcom in the classic sense of, you know, uh, Fred sneaks out to go bowling against Wilma's wishes and has to face the consequences. Or, you know, they get a babysitter that, you know, doesn't turn out to be who they say they are or something. You know, it's it, true. It, those feel more like traditional uh, sitcom Trumps. concepts where when you get something like Top Cat, where it's, oh, Benny looks just like a missing heir that's set to inherit a million dollars. So they try to make him be that missing heir while this butler and guard dog are trying to get rid of him, you know? It, right, and I couldn't stand that they took that plot for Beverly Hills Cats, because that was like, are you really going to replicate the same plot in the in a greater... And then they tried to incorporate, like, an Annie joke, and I was just like, this is not working! I don't know who thought this would work, but it's not working. And, well, anyway, I'm getting... I'm, I digress. Um, 
personally, I think that the reason that I am so into this show is because it defies the typical. Mm. It's not really it's it's not another detective cartoon. And I, you know, I get what you're saying, but I don't see it as a slice of life. Uh, and both of them are great. I think this was con men cats getting by on schemes and their general loving support of each other. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's it's more elaborate than those concepts because you, like like you said, you didn't have the structure. You didn't have a a, a typical family or a typical home. Their home was the back alley. They were basically um in poverty <laughs> yeah well when, when i say when i say slice of life don't don't take it at face value because i understand wholeheartedly that it's not necessarily completely that but we there are so many scenes in this show that are just the cats around relaxing living their lives before something That's happens true. <laughs> especially at the starts of episodes but i i think it's just like because of the way modern shows are written in any capacity you're you're not getting the same level of writing you get now as you did 60 years ago. So a no. sitcom like Top Cat is not going to be written the same way as any sitcom now because there's not an, there doesn't feel like an over-reliance on pop culture jokes. There doesn't feel like an over-reliance on slapstick or other stuff. It's there, but the show really makes you care for the characters. And in a lot of ways, it makes you root for them, despite the fact they're doing things that are, you know, not necessarily morally ground. Right. I mean, they're con artists, and we want them to succeed because that's how they're going to live. Yeah. And it's like most of the time, it's almost operating in a gray area because there's no sincere justice. Like, yeah. there, there are times where, well, we'll get to it in a little while, but even with Benny and his mother, his mother was never told the truth. Yeah. And that was not a bad thing. And that's what well, we'll get there eventually. Yeah. <laughs> and well, in fact, yeah. I, I'd like to, I'm sorry to cut you off, but You're I'd like to close out this segment by saying that Bill Hanna himself considered that this was one of his, their most sophisticated shows. I agree. And, Wholeheartedly. And I, I'm glad you do. Cause I was just, I was going to say the same thing. I cannot agree with him more because the sophistication of the humor it's that's like you said, it's not slapstick. It's not expected. It's kind of out there. It's it's a little like one thing evolves to another. Like in the Million Dollar Derby, it started out with an entirely different scheme uh, and then turned into a horse rally. Yeah. Like, I mean, the bizarre twists and turns it takes, even if it's not really um, wholeheartedly animated, like not everything is seen. Um when I say wholeheartedly animated, I mean, like, not everything is on screen all the time. Yeah. But they did it in such a way to make you care about the things that were off screen as well. I agree. And, uh, you know, let's uh, let's talk about, you know, speaking in that sophistication, there were some things that didn't connect with me right away. I uh, actually had to rethink episode seven, which was Top Cat Falls in Love. Yeah. Now, this is interesting to me because... When I first saw it, I thought the plot was pretty cut and dry. Uh, TC fakes being sick so that he can get close to this nurse here on screen. He's fallen in love with her. And when he winds up not winning her heart, he goes back home to the alley. It sounds cut and dry, right? Yeah. But there's something I didn't pick up on when I when I watched it the first time. And, and I think you're going to like this. The moral of that story in particular was that sometimes the things we give our hearts to aren't 
where our hearts actually belong. Yeah. And that's that's what I, and it surprised me to realize that because what happened was during the that visit um the guys came and made they, they thought he was dying so they made the room he was staying in Christmas in July. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, they, I didn't, they, didn't they start singing Christmas carols and stuff to him too they did they did indeed and um, I'm not sure if it's just me but the nurse totally did not convey that she was already spoken for when she was like being hit on by him <laughs> she just up and left home to marry a doctor and I feel like she could have saved Top Cat a lot of heartache if she was upfront and honest with him about that right yeah, well, in the same vein, I I feel like Top Cat wasn't necessarily honest about his intentions going forward to start, though. <laughs> You're right. You are right. But there were, you know, she was kind of she was kind of clear that he was into her. That's and he, true. It, and she could have just said, I, I'm actually spoken for and saved him a lot of time, I think. That's true. But I, you know, I find it interesting. There are three separate episodes that have to deal with one of the characters falling in love. But that this this one was I think this was the first one out of the thirty and it was it's interesting to see Top Cat out of his element in a in a way because you think that nothing can sway him really except for like you know money of course you think money or you know having material possessions and all that stuff you think that can sway him but to see the leader of the gang fall ill to this you know it just shows that he's not necessarily as 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 money focused he's not as unmovable as he seems yeah i think i think a lot of his downfall is the the love of money the focus on money and it's just because you know they're in a state where they can't get by and they they think that that's going to get them out of it so that's the entire pursuit yeah and i don't think he told until until near the end, I don't think the other cats knew that he wasn't dying, so he he didn't disclose that to them. Now I don't know. Again, it, this it's been a while since I've watched this episode in particular, so this could have been a case of he was going to tell them, but then Hanna Barbera antics happened where something in the writing prevented them from or prevented him from telling them at certain moments. But well, I watched the episode just recently, and it, the way it went down from what I perceived was that uh, they came to give him Christmas, and he was trying to tell them that uh, they were ruining his plan because oh, okay. he, he actually called them up at the alley using, I believe it was Dibble's phone, and he said, you know, like, I, I'm going to be, um, in, you're going to hear church bells soon, but they interpreted it as not getting married. Instead, they thought it was a funeral. <laughs> ah, okay yeah see that makes sense and and, and that's the thing that uh, that's one of those things though in retrospect because i do remember that scene now it, it's buried in there but i remember it and when you mention that that's one of those kind of twists that a show like this brings to the table because you know and instead of interpret it as wedding bells they would rather think it's a funeral you know that that's the kind of silly humor that you would expect from a studio like hanna-barbera but because it's it's slightly morbid in a way, but it's understandably, I think it's understandably funny from our point of view. Well, see, that's why I think it was sophisticated, because it was able to not only joke, but, you know, convey the seriousness at the same time. Yeah. It's like, it's another way that they were demonstrating the value of life. Mm -hmm. The idea that this pursuit mattered. But 
I digress. Let's back it up a little. The true lesson here was that he was already surrounded by love right where he was, and he didn't need to try and win them over like he was trying so hard to win her. Yeah. And see, like that that's the whole idea, is because when he went back to the alley, he was already with his family. They already loved him. They already wanted him there. Yeah. And so, like, it wasn't this, like, struggle to try and win their hearts, because, you see, she was there by obligation, but they went there to try and make him feel happy, thinking, oh, he's not going to be with us anymore. We want to make sure to give him something he always loved, which was Christmas. Yeah. Chat. Friends in the chat. You have some ideas. Okay, funeral jokes are not always appropriate. <laughs> Learn that the hard way. Julian, Julian. Sorry to hear that. That's... We won't be making any, so that's... No, <laughs> we won't. Because we want to keep this uh, live stream going, and YouTube has some strict policies. <laughs> Uh, Toy Stalker is waving. Hello. Howdy. Uh, Big Beef is saying EBDB. That's another one of my friends. That He is Zach, and much like Nick, everyone knows each other. So are we you get gonna, another EBDB. Hello, guys. How are you, you going to be let in on this eventually? Because it looks like everyone. Dylan Norton is your friend, oh, too. Dylan, He's also yes, he saying is a friend of mine, yes. I, I did tell my friends recent, before the stream started. I gave a link. I said, hello, come come join the stream if you want. Friends, you gotta get in on Top Cat because we don't know what EBDB means. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it, nobody knows what it means. To my we, knowledge, it's just a fun thing. But I've I've sung <laughs> the phrases to my friends. Maybe this will convince them finally. Well, thanks, bunches, for sharing that with us. That's fun. All right. So, uh, where were we? There was one episode that you had chalked up to a typical sitcom trope in your Top Cat video, which. Uh, and I'm not putting it down because your top cat video was awesome. Well, I appreciate Loved it. that. But um, I think it's a little deeper. I think it's just a little deeper. Um, it was um, surface level trope. Yeah. But within the confines of Top Cat, you know, the Top Cat universe, it was so much more. The episode in question is called TC Minds the Baby. The trope is obviously the caring for an infant found abandoned yes we have another screenshot this one is uh, dibble holding the baby at the window waving to the cats but prior they are trying to find him a home so let's talk about this uh this is where i think we need to rethink the way that we look at this show top cat is a greedy sort whose main objective is just getting by on whatever scheme he can think up but in this episode his gang got him to care for something outside of himself and themselves so greatly that they actually wanted to make it a part of their back alley family. And when you look at it from that point of view, I think it's no longer a basic trope. It's actually a story of a selfish person learning to become a selfless person. Do you suppose that TC's nature is truly more selfless than he wants us to know? Yes. Absolutely. Let's, and let's explore that. Exactly. In this episode in particular, one of the things I remember sticking out to me about it was that when they first find the baby, everybody except for TC wants to find it a home or, or wants to, you know, take care of it. But TC exactly. is like, we'll just go. I don't remember what he says, but he's like, Orphanage. Oh, we'll go drop it off at the, the fire Orphanage. station. Orphanage, not the fire station. Yeah, he, he he's immediately just suggests, you know sending it to the orphanage and and the that's what cats, it's for right yeah and the other cats are like i think benny's like i was an orphan once or which is weird because yeah, he's got a mom I, in another I episode know. but 
I was okay. Let's pause on that for a second. There's like okay. You do have to give leeway to these older cartoons because sometimes they don't get the continuity right. They get it. Yeah. They get it just a little bit because you got a writer on one episode that didn't write on another episode, and they they just don't connect very well. And and it happens on so many shows from this all the way through the '80s. So you got to give leeway to these cartoons for not always connecting the dots. Yeah. And, um, and this was one of them. <laughs> now, is this the episode you, I don't know. Is this the one where he, Tabcat like starts shedding a tear at the end and they're catching him on it? I think so. I, I gotta he, rewatch he's the ending. like starting to tear up and, and he I, excuses it as just like having some water in his eye or something. I think you're right. I see. I, I kind of focused in on the part where, uh, the baby was waving at them because, uh, they had done so much prior to that to try to make him like they, they had they they took baby bottles from people in the park yeah. they because they, they never took care of an infant before they were doing whatever they could just to make it uh, accustomed to their back alley family and i thought you know that's really sweet that top cat could be made to care so much that he would actually want to truly adopt it well do you know what i think one of well, i think one of the sweetest things about the entire episode is it, it revolves back to one of the first points we talked about earlier. What did they name the baby? Charlie. After they named who? Charlie after Dibble, and they wanted to make Dibble the godfather. That's right. You got to have a lot of respect for somebody to want to name a child after them. And that wasn't that wasn't a like a cop out. Like they didn't do that to get out of anything. They no. did that because they wanted to. Exactly. They thought of that before they even spoke to Dibble about the baby. And I With, thought, that, yeah, that is a beautiful thing. Yeah, and I I liked the the antics of trying to hide the baby from him. Like he goes to <laughs> he goes to answer the phone in the phone box, and he pulls out the bottle, and he like squirts milk out of his ear. Yeah, he sticks it right in the ear, and it I, does it go out the other side? I think it does. I think so. I think they did that gag, but you, just you know, doing everything they can to hide it from him, and of course, you know, once he finds out, he's a little disturbed by it, or at least a little angry with them. But then you know they. It, it's the same kind of it's almost the same thing that Tomcat goes through, but in a different way where when Dibble first learns about the baby, he's a little more angry about it. But once, you know, actually embracing the, the, the baby and once they show how much they've cared for it and even named it after him, you know, he starts to understand, you know, what it's about. I you summarized everything so perfectly. <laughs> well, thanks. I mean, I don't have anything to add to that one. Just you're right. He he learned a lot. He learned to care just as much as they did, just as much as Top Cat did. And it's a, a progression throughout the show. It is. And and to circle back to your original point of, of talking about this, I really do think that I think that Top Cat, even though his main priority is always, you know, the next dollar, the next scheme, the next whatever, I really do think deep down I mean, he's gotta care about some of these people to to stay around them and do what he does and to see a little bit of weakness in him and, and not weakness in a bad way, but for him to let that show in any capacity does show a little bit of, of the, the humility, a little bit of the human side of him, so to speak. He would like to, he would like us to think that the entire reason he does anything he does is just to get further in the world. Yeah. But then he bring, he brings it back to truly providing because top cat, while he doesn't physically do a whole lot is the brains of their operation for a reason. It's not because he wants to control. It's not because he has that management desire. It's more because he's capable. Yeah. And he, they he feels they like the him. natural leader. They need him because without him, 
they wouldn't have that part that gets them organized, that gets them where they need to go and keeps them going. I mean, they live in a back alley. They don't have much going for them. And, and that's the thing. It, it, the whole thing of Top Cat is, it, it, you know, them against the world. You know, them always trying to make a better life for themselves and having fun along the way. And, of course, as all cartoons of this sort go, the lessons that we learn in every episode don't really stick with them. But all of the characters, you know, resetting, I actually think is not really a bad thing. Because when they relearn the value of life over and over again, the, the value of life being more than the value of a dollar... It's it's constantly reteaching us, the audience. And for as much as it sucks to me that the show only went for a season, 30 episodes, it it wasn't enough time for the writers to change who the characters are. So even though everything gets reset to the status quo at the end of each episode because it's an episodic series, you never really feel like these characters go too far out of their element. You always understand them. You always feel like they are written to each of them specifically they they don't have time to change that's true that in in the fact that they don't change though is is the thing that i'm holding on to is like it it's comforting because you keep coming back to those lessons over and over again you get presented that idea again it's uh it's kind of perfect Almost every episode deals with Top Cat hatching a scheme to make it big and in the end missing out on fortune and returning to the alley where the cats still manage to live happily together as though nothing was lost. Because the value is in life itself that they share, not the money that they have. And I'm wondering if now you're seeing that message connect with you like it did with me, Alt-Kate. Oh, definitely, definitely. That when when I was first watching the first few episodes of this show, um, I mean, I knew what it was about, and and going in, you learn what it's about. But the more you watch it, the more you do start to understand it, and and you start to see why a guy like Joe Barbera would say that it's the most sophisticated thing they ever wrote. You start to realize what's really going on here. You you know, I know that a lot of people like to mention shows that either got a small run or weren't very popular and say, you know, they were ahead of their time, but a show like Top Cat was, was insanely ahead of its time. I mean, you, you go from, uh, you go from the monstrous success of Huckleberry Hound, you go to a new kind of thing with doing the Flintstones, and then you go for what might be your most ambitious project to date, which is Top Cat, sophisticated, witty, with the amount of heart that you would expect from someone who knows how to write people well. And, it, it didn't fly at the time, at least with enough people, but I really think it, it's the kind of show that can stand the test of time. I do it, kind of wonder why it didn't come back like Jetsons. I I honestly have no idea. And, and honestly, the, the fact that the Jetsons was the show that they brought back is kind of interesting to me, considering they have a lot of other series under their belt. But I suppose well, for the 80s, like, it worked. It was like a test, right? Because like, because... They had 13 episodes with the Jetsons, and then it didn't do well in prime time, so they put it onto Saturday mornings, and it did better with that audience, and they brought it back in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, they could have done the same thing with Top Cat, but they didn't, because Top Cat had the exact same treatment. It got 30 episodes in prime time, it didn't do well, was taken to Saturday mornings, and it did tremendously, and it didn't come back. I, I do think if they did bring it back in the 1980s, one of the... One of the biggest faults would have been the voice cast, considering that in, in Beverly Hills Cats, Arnold Stang 
does not have the same voice he had nearly 30 years ago. And that's not his fault. That's that's just that's just what happens when you get old. But even um, Marvin Kaplan doing Choo Choo didn't sound the same either. And, and Benny's actor passed away in the mid 60s. And um, I think Alan Jenkins, who did uh, Dibble, also passed away back then. So, I mean, the voice cast they got for the Beverly Hills Cats worked fine. But I, with with a change in the art direction, with a change in the voices, I just I don't know if the 80s could have handled that either. I don't know what decade those, like a reboot would have been good for, but I don't know if the 80s would have been the perfect time to do it. I don't know if they would have given it the same chance they did before. I'm not sure. I feel like the 90s might be a little too ambitious. <laughs> well, yeah. Because you if want they... that edge, and I don't know if Top, I mean, Top Cat could have that edge, but could it have it like the Ninja Turtles or like uh, Biker Mites from Mars? Now there's a question. <laughs> Well, I feel like if they brought it back in the '90s as well, they'd probably do. They'd probably give it like the Warner Brothers treatment of, let's turn it into like oh. super wacky slap. I mean, you know, Animaniacs. The characters are supposed right. to be like 1930s, uh, you know, Looney Tunes esque characters from Termite Terrace that they just locked away. So, you know, you, do you have like a Tom Ruger, Paul Rugg, you know, crazy Tom Ruger, Top Cat Paul show? Rugg version of Top Cat? That is something special. I, I'm maybe we should have presented that back then, huh? Huh, Warner Brothers? Huh, Hanna yeah. Barbera? What's going on? Hey, all right, Warner Media. Warner Media. We'll just we'll put it under that umbrella. <laughs> all right. Before we continue, Jiggy does have a special message for everyone who's watching live. If you're enjoying this live stream, Jiggy's here to remind you to hit like. It helps other people just like you find our videos. Thank you, Jiggy. You're you're a good friend, buddy. Yes, if you are here in the replay or live, please like the show on your platform of choice to help get it seen by more friends just like you. Thank you. Alrighty, uh, Altcade, let's talk about episode 8, finally, A Visit from Mother. Yes, this is my favorite episode of the series. At least I think it's the sweetest one. It's the one that made me smile the most the first time I watched it, for sure. I know, yeah, because you said it stood out to you, I believe, in your video as well. It did. It it takes that uh, well again, like we, we we've talked about how Top Cat has taken the basic sitcom trope of X and then gives it a new twist or deepens it in a way that can make you feel for the characters. And a visit from Mother is no exception. Benny has told his mom through various letters he's written her that he is the mayor of New York and much to his surprise, she decides to write him a letter saying that she's coming to the big city. And so Top Cat and the gang have to do everything they can to help Benny uh, actually appear as the mayor to her. And they end up basically trying to, uh, they, they stall traffic on a bridge at one point to act like it's a ceremonial cutting a ribbon cutting ceremony um, they have like a, they throw some confetti at some point. I, I think they try to do like a parade, it was like ticker tape stuff off of a building. Yeah. Yeah. They, and they were like chasing after, cause they borrowed Dibble's cop car. Yeah. Well, and borrow they're... is a strong word, but <laughs> <laughs> no, um, stealing is a strong word. They were, uh, borrowing. <laughs> yeah. 
And and uh, they, so they're chasing after the cop car on the roof as TC is driving the car, and they're like throwing the confetti and the ticker tape off of the building. And um, I, I love the scene where she's like in the back of the car talking with Benny. She's like, "Is all this really for me?" And and she he's like, "Yeah, mom, of course it's for you." It's just like, "Oh, if they if they love me so much, I shouldn't leave." And they're like, "No, no, no, <laughs> you, you you should leave." Well, I mean, we love you, but you can't stay <laughs> yeah and by the end um top cat tells dibble what's going on and dibble under you know he top cat does that classic smooth talking con man thing and the way he frames it is something along the lines of you know like you know benny loves his mom don't you love your mother and he's like oh i love my mother you know don't so, you love your mother dibble yeah and um favorite scene from the episode the thing that really made it click for me was when Benny and his mom are in the back of the car, Top Cat's driving, and um, she tells him, you know, look, I, I, you know, she's like, I love today. I enjoy getting to spend time with you. And uh, she says something along the lines of, I would love you even if you weren't the mayor of New York. Now she tells him. Yeah, I love that little, but just that, that just, it's the sweetest exchange because you don't expect it. Again, these are, they're colorful cats running around New York. You don't expect to have such a sweet moment. Well, see, that's that's something we need to talk about. The sophistication goes beyond just, like, not using slapstick. The idea is that these stories were written with adults in mind. They were, and, and that's something that I don't remember if it was Hannah or Barbera. I, I watched a few uh, interviews that one of them gave, and one of the things they talked about with a lot of these shows early on was that they didn't write down. And no. that's something that I think a lot of the best cartoons ever ever did and and people who've worked on some of the world's most popular and and highest rated cartoons will tell you they didn't write down to kids they wrote what they wanted to because it was either something that made them laugh uh something that they enjoyed something that had that heart but on that's the that's the common x factor and top cat is no exception they did not write down to children they wrote what they wanted to in a story yeah uh, right on i love the whole idea of uh, this whole bit, this whole uh, shtick yeah. being for Benny's mother and yeah. giving her the time of her life. It wasn't the typical honesty is the best policy moral, but instead it focused on putting aside your own ambitions for your friend's happiness. And like you mentioned earlier, this is um, an episode where she doesn't find out the truth. Now, may I would I would think some people would speculate that her admission that if he wasn't the mayor, she'd still love him might be her way of like, hey, I know you're not really the mayor, but she doesn't really get explicitly told that. You know, a lot of sitcoms that would do a plot like this would have the character probably say like, oh, gosh, mom, you know, we've been running around all day. I'm not really the mayor. Do you still love me? But she True. just tells him that. They True. go through that admission statement. She just says that she loves him no matter what. And then we continue the episode as normal. It's honestly, it's almost refreshing because it, it is, it's not that it's not that we need the dishonesty. It's the, the fact that the moral was skewed. It was a different moral. It wasn't the same one that we always get. It, it's less about the lie and more about how they can accommodate her being there because right. mo- most shows would focus on that lie they would be like oh you know how's They'd it affecting benny on. you know what what is it getting to him is he stressing out over it but it, it's more funny to see top cat 
and his gang going through all these crazy schemes to make it appear like he's the mayor. Friends, you know, that, that's the where the entertainment comes from. Yes. Friends in the chat. Do you remember this episode at all? Do you remember the, uh, you know, visit from mother episode and this situation? Because I feel like it stands out. I feel like it's a standout in the series. I know there's only 30 to pick from, but <laughs> this, this one was, def I think this was one of the only times I've ever watched an episode and immediately knew it was going to be one of my favorites. It just, it, it's, it stuck out that much. And, and it really did. And it, it stuck out to me like that too. But it, again, it, it, it's that heart. It's that charm. It's just what top cat is. It, right on. It, it's what it brings to the table that a lot of other shows have, have, haven't matched for me. Right on. I, you know, uh, Top Cat was often putting himself out for his own gang. And mm -hmm. in two different episodes, you had mentioned this earlier, and I want to bring this up now, he went out of his way to help Choo Choo with his love life. That's and true. So, like, you said three episodes deal with love. I believe these are the other two. Mm -hmm. Which is ironic that they're both Choo Choo. Choo Choo's love life specifically. I thought about that, yeah. Uh, so... In this part, uh, this is difficult to talk about because on uh, one occasion, uh, Choo Choo repeatedly attempted to commit the unthinkable yeah. at the risk of having YouTube take down this stream. I must admit that Choo threatened to take his own life over and over again, presenting the theme in a sort of darker way, the value of life. Uh, Top Cat stepped in with a scheme to get him on a date with this woman that he'd so willingly throw his life away for not having. And that woman was Lola Glamour. And this image here is him on the bridge being talked down by Top Cat. Like he's on the bridge ready to throw this stone over that's going to pull him to his demise. <laughs> I, This is a tough subject to bring up on YouTube. I, I do hope that Every platform realizes that we are doing this in love. <laughs> uh, Top Cat literally steps in and helps him, you know, talks him down and then gives him a scheme to get in uh, to a relationship with Lola so that way he wouldn't, you know, do something so rash and throw his life away like that because his life meant something to Top Cat. And that's why this is a focus on this live stream here. It's because it deals heavily with the value of life. So, yeah. what are your thoughts on this one, Alt-K? Do you um, have, uh, do you I, think that this episode touched on the value of life in this plot? Oh, for sure. I mean, it's how it starts. Um, I liked, I enjoyed this episode. I, I, times have definitely changed in the past 60 years. So, understandably, the humor of 1961 is not going to be the same as now. Um, oh, hello, Eric. How are you doing? Yep, Eric Grant says, hello, everyone. I finally made it. Hello, welcome to the show. It's a little late. You might have to go to the start of the show and check out what we've been talking about. Top Cat and the value of life. We are 46 minutes in and near the finish of the episodes we're going to be talking about. But we're going to add, you know, a little bit on to this. So stick around. we got a little bit more to say. Glad to have you here, though. Glad to have it's, all these people it's here. It's so good to have you guys here. You guys are the commotion of Cartoon Commotion. Julian Murray, Big Beef, and Eric Grant, everybody here, thank you for being here. Thanks for being a part of the commotion. Absolutely. I'm, I'm glad these people are here, man. It's it's. I've, I've had fun so far. I hope you have as well. Eric Grant says, I'll definitely watch this one back. I'll thank you so much, Eric. It I think you're really going to gonna enjoy it. Top Cat is a wonderful show, and 
I think we've made a lot of pretty good points so far. So I, I got we got cut off there. What was um what were we saying? We were uh, talking well, about. I was, I was talking about this episode. It, it's one that I do enjoy it. Again, the, the humor has changed in the past sixty years, so obviously something like this might not be looked upon in the same way now as it was then. But excusing that and talking about the episode itself, it is nice to see um, again that humanity from Top Cat. That you know, hey, I I want to help my friend out. He's a part of the gang. He's not just. You know, he's not just a nobody. He He's willing to do something so rash for this person. So let's see what we can do to help him out. And I love, again, we're, this isn't, we can't really have spoiler spoilers because, again, like you said, it's a 60 year old show. Right. I'm not going to say what the ending is in case people haven't seen this episode, but I love how they tied this ending together. I like what happens at the end in terms yeah. of Choo Choo and this this woman that he's trying to court. And we'll just we'll just say it, it didn't end poorly. <laughs> it did not. It, it had a sweet ending, and it again the the kind of ending that only a show like this would try to pull off and successfully have. Mo, you know, it 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 was a sweet thing for them to go through it all. And was this the episode where? The woman he's in love with is the big Hollywood movie star, or is that it the other is, one? It, it is. It is. Okay. So Lola Glamour, he had just seen her latest movie and fell in love with her in the theater and said, I'm going to throw my life away if I don't get a date with yeah. Lola Glamour. It's it's really quite intense. Uh, you know, okay, so I'm going to add my two cents on this. I, right. I think that it is difficult to say that this episode had a, a genuine good resolution to, to Chooch's actions. Yeah, uh, that's not, true. That's not, true. Not necessarily the results, because the end result was wonderful. It's a great yeah. ending. But his actions weren't necessarily rewarded properly. <laughs> no, and, and it's it's not fair to say, like, it's not it's not fair to do that sort of thing, you know, where it's, you know, I'm going to toss this rock over unless I get no. a date. You know, that's, he that's never the attitude to have. He shouldn't have been so willing to throw his own life away over someone that he didn't really know. Yeah. And see, well, that, that points back to uh, episode, I believe it was seven, uh, Top Cat Falls in Love. Am yeah. I right when I say that? I... I only know some of the episode number order wise. Well, episode eight was a visit from mother. <laughs> I do know that one. And I know that numbers one and four. Yes. Episode vary, seven, depending, depending on what source you get it from. Episode but... seven was uh, top cat falls in love. Yeah. Um, so I know pointing back to top, uh, top cat falls in love. He was willing to throw his life into this random strain, you know, the woman that he when he had people who already loved and cared for him back home. He had the he had the gang, he had the cats. He came back and he was rewarded for being back home. In this case, it, it's a similar situation. He's uh, Chooch is so willing to throw his life away for someone he doesn't really know, and I feel like that aspect wasn't necessarily rewarded properly but this did however brilliantly i think explore top cat once again sacrificing his own scheming ways for his friend mm -hmm. and this time not just for his friend's happiness like in episode eight of isn't for mother but for his friend to keep his life because life is worth more than money and that is what i think that is the theme the overarching theme of yeah. top cat that life is valuable what i find really interesting are the episodes where tc doesn't get involved in a scheme for his own benefit so this isn't but see here's the thing this is another episode um 
Choo Choo goes. This is Choo Choo goes Choo Gaga. Choo goes right? Gaga. Yep. Yeah. This is another episode where I like seeing the ways that they can scheme for the benefit of someone else. So they they still do schemes. They still put them on. See, I feel like that could have been the way they keep the show going. Yeah. They could have done that. They could have used that element because. But- uh, I mean, that's uh, at the heart of it. That's that's the joy of Top Cat is is the benefit of others. Like when he realized that that he could benefit others with his scheming ways. Yeah. So uh, you know, this and the the visit from Mother episode, it's it's the same idea. Tack the artist cat says, "Yo yo 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 yo, 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 yo what's up? What's up? It's yeah. Top Cat. <laughs> yeah. This is this and the visit from Mother have that same idea of using the scheming ways to help someone else it's not hey let's pretend to all be the same guy to get a meal at this restaurant yeah which you know I like that was, one episode yeah but, it was i think that was in Raffaelli's or gotta, how do you pronounce it rafa fleas or how do you pronounce that one that one's got the title that just you look at it 10 times and you still can't say it right from but, what i understand it was based off of a movie oh um, okay yeah but then like uh in that same context, how oh, that was the episode where they went to the museum and they found the statues that were Fred and Barney. Yeah. For prehistoric man. I, I like little nods here and there. Weren't they watching like Huckleberry Hound in an episode or something? Or mentioned like maybe Yogi Bears on or something? I think they did. Um, I'm, I'm going to have to do some more research on that because I didn't cover all of the cameos. But I do have a few of them mentioned on my Facebook page if you want to go and share some of those around. Gotcha. Um, uh, Tack the Artist Cat says this show is really popular in Mexico. That is correct. I'm going to share mm-hmm. a little behind-the-scenes story, so this is fun. Uh, I did a promotion for this live stream, and I did it in – the first promotion I did was uh, for just uh, for North America and South America. And I thought, you know, because I watched your video, and you said that it's very popular in South America. And you are right. It is incredibly popular. In Latin I, America. Uh Okay. Well, it was included. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm just just making sure it was included. It was because I got fifteen thousand likes. Wow. Fifteen thousand people in Latin America, and in South America, love Top Cat. <laughs> they do. He's known as Don Gato there. Don Gato, and they all tell me that he sounds better in Spanish. I'm not sure if that's true. Well, I've had a. F- I took a few years of Spanish in high school and college. Unfortunately, I'm not fluent by any means, but if I ever learned Spanish, I would watch back the show again. I just lo- to see I've, if it sounds better. <laughs> I mean, I got a soft spot for Arnold Stang, but even then, you know, well, people, I think, people I think, say yeah. the people say Homer Simpson sounds better in Mexico. It's Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, interesting. I mean, again, Don Gato, he, he's well-known, and, and he'd probably be more well-known there than anywhere in the United States. That's so true, because I get, I get people all the time saying Don Gato now, because 15,000 people, you got to understand, those are now on my Facebook page. <laughs> yeah. And now they're coming in all the time and telling me that it sounds better in Spanish, and his name is Don Gato. Well, thank you very much for making sure that I'm keeping the canon going, guys. I appreciate because you know, obviously in America, in, in North America and in English, that is not the canon. <laughs> However, we can both agree that all names are better than Boss Cat. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, honestly, Top Cat, Don Gatto, I'll, I'll, I'll use them alternatively. You know, I, I'll interchange them. Uh, Eric Grant says 15,000. Dang. Well, that thank was my you. reaction, man. <laughs> Tack the Artist Cat says the Blue Cat got a baby voice. Kind of. 
kind of, kind of, sort of got a baby voice. I think so. The thing is, even though the guy Maurice Gosfield doing his voice, it's like the way I described it in the video I did was like, it's an old yet young voice. It almost sounds like he's both like 10 and 50 at the same time. Wait, Altcade, Altcade, I need you to pronounce his last name again for me. What was that? Is it Maurice? Is it Maurice Gosfield? Gosfield. So that's how it's pronounced. Is it Go- <laughs> well, cause it's not Gosfeld. I think there's an I in there. I think you're right. It's just so it's tricky for me with names to pronounce them correctly. I have to ask the person. I'm like, not always I- right either. <laughs> Next week when we do The Tick, I'm going to have on uh, Dan uh, Rosales, and he has a Z sound in the middle of his name. <laughs> oh, okay. And it's, like, totally absent from the name, so... Gotcha. Got that going on, but... I'm glad mine wasn't as confusing. No, I mean, you're you're me from the other dimension. It's Correct. It's much, much easier. Okay, so... Uh, where, where was I? I said, uh... But, um... This had him sacrificing his scheming ways for his friend. Right. And we were we were talking about how for his uh, life. We we're talking about the episodes that involve him using his schemes to help others, not just, you know, get the quick buck. Mm-hmm. And money is not the most important thing in life. The value of life is life itself in that in that in this context. Uh so live chat, do you have anything to add to that? Anything okay, Tack Cat says Tack the Artist Cat says in the Mexican dub he sounds cute he sounds cute okay i'm i think i think they're talking about benny benny yeah (laughs) because because he said that the spanish actors sound cooler i'll take your word for it i might have to want look i've seen the show in english i'll start watching it in spanish (laughs) i don't think i have the time (laughs) i I, I got so many shows in there you never know so many shows to study for live streams no way okay eric grant says to be fair attack the artist cat Spanish voice actors make everything sound cooler. He's, okay, you got a point there. I mean, think so about I've Puss heard. in Boots. So I've heard. Think about the the accent of Puss in Boots. Like yeah, that's Antonio very, Banderas. Antonio Banderas, very cool, very cool. He makes it sound cool every time. All right, so we have one little extra tidbit of things to clear up here. I've had a really good time sharing these perspectives in Top Cat with you, and honestly, I could go on and on about this show, but I do. We have to wrap it up sometime, so I think now would be the best time to give you the floor and ask you, do you have a favorite episode, moment, or Top Cat memory you'd like to share with us besides all that I've brought up so far. Was there anything at all that stood out to you in the show? Um, man. Uh, well, again, I've already mentioned favorite episode is a visit from mother, just because I like how, how sweet that whole, um, the links they go to and, and the interaction she has where she tells him that she'll love him. Even if he wasn't the mayor, I love that. Um, I know. Well, oh, easy. Well, the easy answer for you now that I'm thinking about it. So, um, the act, the art and the music absolutely <laughs> the art and the music okay. absolutely the i love the different ways that they portray new york because sometimes the alley you know they'll be chilling around in the alley it's just a calm cool hangout spot there's the pool hall the smoky sometimes filled pool hall um there's like a bowling alley sometimes near where the alley is there's the police department um, but then you also have the bustling downtown areas and the way that they portray New York and the background art. It's beautiful. I am um, trying right now to get a screenshot of New York for you, but keep going. They've got that. There's the classic uh, 
pan they always do of the the many different little skyscraper buildings and stuff. Um, but the, I think my favorite thing about the show um, is definitely, definitely the soundtrack. I think that this was... I Hoyt think, Curtin. Hoyt Curtin, the, the man, the myth, the legend. Love that guy. Wish I could I have met him. I know you do. It's <laughs> like uh, your favorite of all time, right? He's, he's definitely one of my favorite composers of all time. Okay, okay. I, we do have a screenshot of New York. Here's some beautiful background work that, right look, here. Look, look at, at that. that. Look at that. <laughs> if that doesn't make you appreciate New York, man. It and, makes and, me appreciate animation. Oh, for sure. I well, mean, look at this. Look at the, look at the, you got uh, the, the, what's the park? It's Central Park right there. Central Park. You can see the Statue of Liberty. Uh-huh. That's some detail because that's really small. Yeah. I mean, you can that, see that the, the Brooklyn Bridge, I think, in the background. You can. There. You it's can. Just, this it, is a lot of detail. It is. And it's it's nice that, you know, people took all that effort to, to be put into it. And especially the music, you know, look, Hoyt Curtin, he knew what he was doing. I think I think Hanna-Barbera knew he was the guy for them. And to go from doing the theme from Huckleberry Hound for them and stuff like that, the Flintstones music was great. I still love that soundtrack, but almost I, I can't name a single piece he did for Top Cat that I don't like. When you watch this show, I think one of the things that is going to stick out to you is the, the all kinds of jazz music that, that goes into it. New York has a jazz scene. It's where Tin Pan Alley was, even though that's not jazz itself. But this, oh my God, I, I can go on and on. But just the, the bottom line is this. If there's nothing else you bring away from this show, I really hope you enjoy the music that's in it because I think I think they had the most fun making this show when it comes to music. I think they had the most fun recording it, writing it, and performing it. And if there was any show I could have sat in on and watched the recording sessions for, it would be this one. That is very true. I, I mean, I feel the music, the, the mm -hmm. musical atmosphere of the show. And I actually, I just remembered something that I, I didn't write down, but you, you reminded me of it. Uh, in your video, you mentioned at the start of uh, the, what is considered the first episode, Hawaii, Here We Come, but it's actually like the fourth. Yeah. Um, there's no music for the opening. That Yeah, and, th and that was the weirdest thing because when, when I watched the series, um, for those who don't know, the first and fourth episode have gotten switched throughout the years. So if you buy the DVD set, I believe Hawaii, Here We Come is the first episode that's on it. That's true. But in reality, the first episode to air was uh the million dollar derby and yes, I'm, i think it might have been the first one produced as well but i can't confirm that but when you're watching hawaii here we come and it's presented as the first episode when i first saw it the first like two minutes had no music behind it it's just benny talking with tc and then talking with dibble and then all of a sudden music kicks in after a while but it, it gives it a different atmosphere when you don't have the music compared to when you do it almost feels like a completely different show and I actually think, like, I'm not saying that that was the best move ever, but I actually think that I have a working theory on that. Mm -hmm. And and that is that it was removed on purpose. I think that there was no music to add to the ridiculous behavior of Benny and Dibble. Because Benny and Dibble were doing this whole, like, routine. Like, first Benny started out with the Hawaii, Hawaii, and he's doing, like, um, he, he wants to know what the fish's name is and everything. Yeah. And so he's got this, like, presentation about him. And then what follows is Dibble is trying to imitate his performance. So I think for comedic effect, they were going for emphasizing how ridiculous it sounded. It's possible. I mean, they're they're both sitting there singing a little bit of Aloha Oi and all that. And uh, but I I mean the the it starts with a little uh, 
a little Hawaiian sting. They have like a little Hawaiian music that plays for a few seconds and then it's just up to uh, the it's up to just the, the normal Benny and TC conversation. But here, my thing is this, if that if that was ever intended to be the first episode, then I think it would make sense to to not have that music, because when I watched it back, having that be the first episode, it kind of felt like a little bit of an introduction. And now when I go back and watch the first bit of a million dollar derby and it's just Top Cat sitting in a hammock when he gets, you know, when Choo Choo comes in and they then they get into the episode. Yeah, that does feel like an introduction as well. It does. If there's something about the the lack of music for that first two minutes that kind of makes it feel like a true introduction to the series. So maybe well, were, maybe somebody had maybe somebody knew what they were doing when they swapped that order. It could be, but there, I mean, because there were quite a few episodes that felt like they could have been a form of introduction to some character, but you know, interchangeably so. Um, yeah. I mean, the amount because they were they were floating timeline episodes. Yeah, and the amount of episodes that start with a pan of New York and that one music cue. Yeah, well, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. They ain't gonna not at all. They ain't gonna switch it up too much, especially on a budget. (laughs) I love that stuff, though. I I love those introductions because, you know, say you're watching a random episode, you're watching a random rerun, and that that opens up. Maybe that's your first episode you ever watched, and it feels like almost every episode's giving you a proper introduction. Chat friends, if you are still here and you've been here the whole time, thank you bunches for joining us. You are the commotion on Cartoon Commotion, and we appreciate you. Thank you for being here. And Altcade, I just want to say, before you skedaddle, I want to ask you, I want to say thank you bunches for being our special guest and sharing your point of view with Jiggy, our chat friends, and me. It has been a real treat to have you on the show. But before we close out the stream, please... Everyone, head over to Cartoon Cade's Top Cat video if you have the time. Comment over there that Cartoon Commotion sent you. It'll do wonders for the both of us. Just say, Cartoon Commotion sent me. Glad to be here. This is an awesome video. Uh, It would do wonders for both of our channels, and we'd really appreciate it. Cartoon Cade, is there anything you'd like to add before we close? Nothing much that I haven't already said. If, If you have the means to watch Top Cat, if you've never seen it before, if you haven't seen it in a while... Um, give it a shot. It's 30 episodes. It doesn't take that long to get through. And it's not the kind of show you have to binge. It's not the kind of show you have to watch all in one sitting, just watch an episode here and there and, you know, try to look at it through different kinds of lenses. You know, first time you watch, just enjoy it. The second time you watch, look for things you miss. Third time you watch, listen to the music, you know, just enjoy the series. It Hanna-Barbera couldn't have known if a show they made was going to succeed or not. Nobody could have known that. And I think this is one of the series where even though they didn't know the future, they put everything into it. And I think you're going to realize that if you give the show a chance. So please, for the the both of us, give the show a chance if you haven't seen it. If you have seen it, watch it again. It's worth your time. It is jam-packed with heart and charm. Mm -hmm. And I could not agree more that it is Hanna-Barbera is one of their most sophisticated cartoons. I mean, there are a good handful of sophisticated cartoons from Hanna-Barbera because you got to understand they made a lot of cartoons. But this is one that I think a lot of people skip over because it just on surface level looks like it's not for me. And the fact that no one talks about it, the fact that people don't often talk about this show. Agreed. And that's what we're doing here. We're showing you why this matters to us, because in my opinion, and I believe even now with you, I think you share this opinion that this cartoon was speaking on the value of life. 
very and, much so. And it, and it means a lot to us for that reason. So um, if you if you have the time, go check out his video on Top Cat. Say Cartoon Commotion sent you. It'll do wonders for the both of our channels. Thank you so much for being here. Keep it unreal, Commotion crew. I just wanted to say, before you leave, friend, if you're financially capable to help support this show, then consider joining our Patreon with the link in the description below. Our Patreon comes with many exclusive behind-the-scenes perks and access to hours of additional content. The bar to entry is set at the low cost of just $2 a month, so you wouldn't pay any more than the cost of a single candy bar, and you'd get your name in the credits of every episode. Speaking of, here's the credits. Thank you, Carrie Cube. Marcia Sullivan, Eric Grant, Cade Utterback, and Toystalker.com. And Cartoon Commotion is a proud member of the Serial Box Network. Serialboxnetwork.com. All right, play us out, Jiggy. <laughs>